Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Work Alchemy podcast series on impact, talking with entrepreneurs who contribute to building a more cooperative and positive future. I'm Ursula York, the host of this series. I'm a mentor to business people who want to have a positive effect on the world around them, building strong businesses by creating value for their clients, team members, and the larger world. I am so passionate about sharing with you the stories of entrepreneurs and organizational leaders who have impact. They're inspiring and energizing role models, and I hope you use what you learn here to be inspired about what you can do in your business and beyond. Today's guests in this podcast series on impact are Melanie and Brian Boggs. Brian and Melanie are the owners of Brian Boggs Chairmakers, where heirloom quality indoor and outdoor furniture is handcrafted one piece at a time. I've seen these chairs and I've been on their tour and they're not only aesthetically beautiful, they're thoughtfully crafted in functional works of art right down to the last detail. Brian's an internationally acclaimed furniture designer who started his woodworking career in 1982. He moved to Asheville, North Carolina in 2008, where he and his wife Melanie established Brian Boggs Chairmakers. They speak of their chairs as trees whose second life will be cherished for generations. Isn't that an amazing legacy? Melanie brings her many years of international consulting expertise to the business and marketing side of Brian Boggs Chairmakers. They make a dynamic team, and I'm honored to call them friends. Welcome, Brian and Melanie. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so glad to have you both here. And uh, let's get right into talking about impact. What is it that drew you to have this business in particular? What is it about this business that you're, you're both passionate about? Well, my part of it started, as you said, in 1982. Melanie joined me after I moved here in Asheville, where we met, I had been wanting to be an artist since the age of eight. And it wasn't until I was 20 years old that I started considering woodworking in any form. And that inspiration came through reading a couple of books that I just happened to stumble upon. One was The Fine Art of Cabinet Making by James Krenov, which opened up the door to thinking about the functional objects around us as potential for expressions of art. And the other book was Make a Chair from a Tree by John Alexander that showed how to literally rip a tree apart by hand and carve each of those pieces that you rip the tree into into pieces that have the maximum structural integrity and retain the integrity of the tree itself as much as possible and introducing those things together seemed like a perfect way of integrating the things that I had cared about for a long time. I had always had a love affair of trees. I'd always been wanting to get into art and putting this all together was just too exciting to resist. So that was a start for me. You know, over the years, I, I would ask myself periodically why I keep doing this now, and the answers are different. And when I moved here to Asheville to start another business, well, restart the same business or a new one, depending on how your perspective is on it, I met Melanie, and we looked at what these intentions had been and will be now. And she certainly helped me think more broadly 
And what has drawn me to this new concept of a business is partly Melanie's ideas about creating a culture within a company that allows the best of what we envision to be nourished and developed to its greatest potential. That with an environmental uh, value of trying to have the least impact that we can uh, on the environment and creating beauty uh, have all been a really important attraction for me. That's awesome. And I want to explore each of those aspects that you mentioned. And I know that you, when you buy um, trees, you, you buy actual trees, you don't buy lumber. So you're starting with that, the essence of the tree in the work that you're, you're doing. There are exceptions to that, but we try as much as possible to get as close to the stump of the plant as we can because we can impact how the piece is made more richly, more completely, the more of its rendering we're involved with. Great. Yeah. So, Melanie, can you uh, talk a little bit about what is it about this business in particular that you... that has drawn you? Uh, I think for me it was uh, recognizing that it was a perfect opportunity for me to uh, shift away from the corporate arena after my 20 plus years as a consultant and to look at this as an opportunity to build an organization from the ground up employing the theories and methodologies, methodologies that I've been using with with my clients over the years. Um, and I think I also realized that if I wanted to be with Brian, I had to work with him. <laughs> but that was, you know, you know, his, I'm like fourth or fifth on the totem pole, but I went into it knowing that, you know, I mean, he's got two kids and, uh, he's a, he's a woodworker and, um, he's very passionate about every stick of wood in the shop and every design uh, that he's given birth to and, and the lineup that, that he hasn't. So it's, um, if, if you want to be with Brian, you've, you've, you've got to be involved with his business. And so it was a, it was a package deal. And I also, you know, I, I also felt like I could make a contribution and uh, you know, his, his international work, uh, draws a parallel with my with my background and I I really fell in love and 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 saw tremendous merit in the original business model that we we started with it it didn't work and we've had to go back to the old employee uh boss uh standard business model and that's been a shift for me and you know how do I identify my role and and get reignited uh, reignite my passion around it but uh, you know I, I, I still feel very very strongly that I can I can make a difference in the front of the house with how we deal with our employees and our customers and our vendors um, and that's outside of you know the design and the the production that takes place in the back of the shop right so what is it that's unique or special about how you do that, the, the dealings that you have with clients and with your 
with the, your team members because Brian touched on this as well. That's something that you brought to the business. Can you talk a little bit about that? What's unique about Brian Boggs Chairmakers as a company and how you how you do that? I think first and foremost is we honor we honor the individual that comes in and and, and works here every day uh, in in their entirety, and so we're looking always for people that we have an alignment with uh, from a values perspective. And so we would like them to be able to walk in the door every morning with a level of enthusiasm and excitement uh, and that they don't have to check any of those values at the door, that they can bring them and they can live those fully here. And so, you know, the more conscious we are as, as leaders and owners of this business, the more able we are to honor our employees, and I think that stretches out to you know clients and and our vendors as well. But first and foremost, our employees. So recognizing that we want to be able to give them opportunities to grow and to to throw out ideas. Uh, you know, when we're throwing out ideas, it happened yesterday. There were four of us there, but Scott, Jonathan, you, and I all talking about that one table, and. <clears throat> Nobody, there wasn't a power struggle. There wasn't a power play. Nobody's ideas got shot down. It was just what's the best idea in the moment to solve the problem for the client, for the end user? <clears throat> Excuse me. And so I think that for me is one of the ways that, uh, and we're not, we're not, that's not, I think it's unique in, in manufacturing for sure. Um, I think more and more organizations are embracing that, that if they want a higher level of engagement and for the employees to be able to make an impact, uh, that they have to be able to, to hear them and, um, and, and get to know who they are and, and, uh, and honor them. You know, I think that's a really good example, that, that moment standing around the table trying to figure out how uh, we were going to get it leveled out and everything. And everybody was pitching in ideas. I mean, and in a good brainstorming session, ideas just come in through the funnel. And the one that we went with actually came out of Melanie's mouth, where the origin was, I think, was in the group that was committed to solving the problem the best way we could. And nobody really owned any territory within that. It was just everybody honoring everybody. And that's a value that I think has really blossomed in our group. That's great. I uh, I love hearing these stories about how you and your business have brought your values into it. And I think that you're right. There are businesses that are doing that, that are are doing it in a way that is supporting the success of the business. And that's been shown to be a really positive attribute of a successful business. And it's also unique to you and your business in terms of the constellation or the the kinds of values and beliefs that you um, that you bring into your business. And can you talk a little bit about how those beliefs and values are reflected? You've talked about the team members, but what about in your in your marketing or your dealings with clients? How do those beliefs and values come into play? Some of our marketing looks just like everybody else's marketing in, in terms of we advertise in a magazine, we'll go to a show. I think the way we articulate our uh, our products 
virtues or our products attributes is maybe a little bit different, but the biggest place where I think we stand out in the way that we relate to our market is on a one-on-one basis. When somebody enters our booth at a show or when somebody enters our workspace here and gallery, we'll take time with them. We pay attention to them and we want them to have a good experience above all. Whether they buy anything, even if we know that it's somebody that isn't in our demographic, that just isn't going to buy anything, our goal when we encounter somebody in our business is for them to have a, a positive experience that they'll remember and ideally that they will be inspired with with work that's really consciously created and designs that are artfully done, well-engineered, and with everything that we do to create what we do, that's going to have an impact on anybody that experiences it. And we see that happen all the time. We get out of the way of that so we can let that happen so we're not talking constantly. But we watch the people that come in to our booth and and shop. And it's really delightful to watch them just light up with the joy of being around really consciously created things. Yeah, and I certainly felt that when I was there. So, uh, yeah, I I (laughs) totally see where you're coming from on that. Do you... uh, Go ahead, Nolly. You know, there... I see the the nonverbals or an audible sigh is is you know one of the most delightful things I think I think it is for for us to watch whether I mean we're going to be at the Southern Highland Craft Show this weekend and uh, you know we're taking that crazy table that you saw you know with the with all the grain and I just know that that's going to be a showstopper. You know, and people will, people will be enamored with that. And that kind of an experience is, for me, I think, the, the same uh, honoring that we do with our, with our employees and our, and our clients and our vendors. It's honoring the tree that you said earlier. And so, you know, taking that tree down and mil- the tree came down because it was, was, it was sick, but um, milling it and then drying it through a process that doesn't bake it or boil it, but just holds all of its integrity, which is why those colors are brilliant, you know, and then display them in a way that they'll be enjoyed forever. That's its second life. I mean, I think those, those are some of the ways that we, that we're honoring both the product and, you know, what it'll be in its next life. And I think in marketing, it's difficult to uh, to choose your words because so many words are are overused and used in the wrong context, and then they their meaning their meaning gets watered down. Uh, but we try to be really authentic, and it's in, in the way we we choose our words and our marketing, so that there's a level of of humility and integrity, but yet. Um, it's it's clean. The word that comes to me that uh, you know you you work with the term impact and I think a lot about comfort and it's 
you know, as a chair designer, of course you're going to make something comfortable. But well, not really. Well, okay. <laughs> it's not always making it comfortable, no. but we do. But the idea is that you know, for me, comfort starts with the first encounter at whatever distance that is. If it's a phone call, that's the first experience of comfort. How we address somebody, the way we listen, the way we take care of their concerns, when they walk in the door, the way they're greeted, when they see a piece from 10 feet away, it needs to beckon them to invite them visually to come experience it closer. And everything beyond that point, the closer they get, the more it's the welcoming or those initial senses of comfort are backed up. And we try to back that up with everything in their tour of the shop, the way we engineer the processes that structurally support the piece. It's all to give a sense of we've got you. We've not we've got you, got you, but we've we've got you taken care of here. You, you created don't a, you worry. created a connection with them. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I I love the way you're talking about these attributes. They're so integral and aligned. They're integral to your business and how you're doing it. And they're aligned with your personal values. So you talk about comfort and and it's not limited to the chair. It's also part of the client experience. And you talk about authenticity and integrity and honoring not just the materials but also the people that work with you and and the aspect of humility and and beauty all of those things form a kind of unique environment that you're creating in your business and in your contacts with clients that is really unique to your company and and it has an obvious impact not just on um, the people that you're that are working with you and, and being in the environment of those shared values, you said that that's how you do hiring, uh, but also the clients that you have come into that experience with, with all of that as part of the larger environment, and that is so powerful. And I know you're doing work even in the larger world beyond your team and, and beyond um, the, the client interactions that you have. Tell me a little bit about your sustainable wood initiative in, in Central America and how that how did that start? Why did you decide to pursue that? The idea started back in the early 90s, and I think it was uh, the idea of Curtis Buchanan, a good friend of mine and fellow chairmaker. We were both part of Woodworkers Alliance for Rainforest Protection, a group that is no longer around. But he thought it would be helpful if we could, you know, in a, a way to address some of the issues that the campesinos in rainforest areas have, which th they have no economic benefit from timber resources. The timber resources are generally accessible to those who have logging equipment. So Curtis and I had both been working for years, taking logs, splitting them apart, making parts by hand. Why not take that technology to rural areas that could really benefit from that economically and be directly involved with the sustainable management of the woods around them. And the first trip led to a second trip, which led to some funding and eventually the creation of Greenwood, which is now uh, has a home in uh, Maine, Scott Landis, 
is the ED of that and was one of the, um, Scott Curtis and I basically got this off the ground and I'm still involved with that 20 some years later. More from a distance, uh, you know, Curtis and I both have trained artisans there for many years and they have trained others. My role now is in working indirectly through Greenwood with a trio of communities that are sustainably harvesting old growth mahogany. And these trees are 150, 200 years old. And so their peak maturity, they're starting to, to decline or just before starting to decline. And these guys are making guitar neck blanks and other guitar parts for Taylor and Collins guitar. And the local market for mahogany is very depressed or at least offset by a huge influx of illegally harvested material. So you can't practically or profitably harvest sustainably in Honduras and sell in Honduras because the prices that the illegal stuff is bringing suppress the market to the point that you can't fund your sustainable harvest practices. So they need an international market to get away from that to be able to do this, and guitar parts is the highest, uh, the highest priced way of getting mahogany moved out. What they needed was a market for the balance of the material, which is about 50% of a log. And uh, our outdoor line is using uh, a fair bit of that, and we hope that it grows enough to where we're using the entire balance of that uh, material. So it's still very high quality material, but not quite guitar grade. And so it's interesting to go from kind of being an initiator of this project and then a teacher uh, to now being uh, a client of Greenwood because that seems to be right now one of the biggest needs is a market for what they're doing. So we're creating that. Another way that we're working on that now is, is actually uh, supporting the harvesting of a, a bark there that's a very strong weaving material for seeding. They don't have for this material. This is bark that's peeled off of a tree that grows almost in an invasive way after they've uh, finished their slash and burn agriculture practices. So it's, it's a weed there. It has no value even as firewood because the wood is just like styrofoam almost. But the bark is a great material and has an economic value if they can find a market for it. Mm -hmm. That's great. I mean, you're really coming at it from multiple perspectives, not just using material and having it be sustainable. It's also about creating a market for um, all the, the different aspects of the, the wood. So that's mm. fantastic. Yeah. Well, it's, it's clear that it's really important to you both to have a positive impact with your business. And can you share with me a little bit um, and share with everyone how, how did that desire to have impact, to be an agent of positive change, how did that evolve? Did you, you just start off feeling that way, or how did you develop that focus? You know, from, for me, it, I think it's always been a part of who I am. Um, you know, even as a, as a young girl, I, I, I was, wanted to be helpful and um, was always curious about people and passionate about people of different cultures and uh was volunteering and you know and then I then I worked for an international education organization and we we did community service and you know so I've always wanted 
to give back. It's just, it's always been a part of who I am. Uh, I, I never thought I would do it via furniture, <laughs> but you know, there, there are, there are many vehicles, right? Um, Yeah, I mean, even my, my consulting business was really focused on creating healthy cultures for people to go to work in and, uh, and transforming organizational cultures into, into really healthy, value-driven cultures. So um, I, I think for me, it's, it's, it's just a part of who I am. Uh, and you're really bringing your, your work in in values-driven businesses into this business in a, in a very personal and direct way. Yeah, I, you know, I think, I think as we, as the business is growing and becoming more, uh, more stable and, and, and I've learned more about it, I will find new ways to, uh, to be engaged at a different level, you know, locally and, um, and hopefully internationally again. Uh, first thing I had to do was wrap my head around the business, um, going from the service industry to a manufacturing, and I didn't know anything about furniture five, six years ago. So, uh, you know, I had to have, I had to, I had to understand that, and I and I couldn't just do a cursory once over and and feel confident that I knew enough. I had to, I had to really, I, I couldn't, I couldn't talk about it until I knew more. You know, I just didn't feel like that was going to be, I couldn't come from a place of integrity. So, um, you know, I've had, I've had a pretty steep learning curve and it's taken me five or six years now uh, to get to that place. So I, I think that, that I'll be able to have a, a, a richer impact and a deeper impact the, the more I'm able to um, engage outside of the office here as well. Yeah, and you make a really good point about how this is an evolving thing. It's it's not necessarily something that looks exactly the way you thought it would look at the beginning. It's through the learning that you have, through the experiences you have, that the way that you can have greater impact can evolve and change and be and move into different arenas depending on the circumstances. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Brian, yes. go ahead. Yeah. We've been bouncing around in this uh, together for seven, eight years now, uh, Millie and I. And it, it's at times it feels like we are just bouncing around and trying to find out where the walls are and where the doors are <laughs> to to make our vision work. And uh, <laughs> some of the doors just don't have handles on them yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great analogy. That's great. So to to kind of bring this to uh, to the audience, I, what are some insights or advice that you would share with other business owners who are asking themselves, how can I positively affect my own environment, my own business, and the larger world? How can I have impact? Can you both speak to that a little bit? I, I, go ahead, Alan. Go ahead. You can speak. No, go ahead. I'm I, I think um, I, I don't think our profession or industry offers any opportunities that are greater than any other path that someone would choose. I think if you're conscious, if you're paying attention, and you really don't do want to positively impact your environment and the people around you, 
if you show up and start going to work and looking for that, the answers are there within your own experience. There, there isn't, um, I, I don't think there's a rule book other than to pay attention and look for the opportunity because it's looking for you anyway. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, there, there will almost inevitably be some painful experiences along the way until you find out where those opportunities are. But it's, uh, it, it seems like to me, it's like design work and it's, it's easy for me to relate to design work because that's where most of my energy goes. But the more I design work and the more ideas I come up with for solving problems, the more fluidly I get answers for solutions or new ideas for design. It's almost like by exercising that aspect of what I do, the pipeline through which new stuff comes to me just gets bigger. And I think that when we start out in an enterprise, there are all the things that are knocking us down, whether it's financial concerns or trying to find the right team to build or the right stores to work with, the right shows or whatever it is that are the the complexities and challenges of day-to-day operations are going to cloud the ability to see the opportunities. And then the fears that come in, oh my gosh, what's going on now? Why aren't we able to do this? Uh, get in the way of being able to see those opportunities and recognizing when those fears are getting in the way and when you need to just step back and get into the big picture thinking. Uh, it, it's certainly been key for us to not get lost in the workings of it, but be able to stay on top of the workings of it and hold the picture. And that, that's where Melanie's been just great at kind of holding the big picture while we pay the bills. That's great. Thank you. Melanie? You know, I think, and I have to do this, you know, some sometimes, some weeks it feels like on a daily basis, but to not lose sight of the motivation or the drive you know, if you're only doing something for the money, you're never going to make it through the bumpy road. And I think it's, um, if, if the drive or the motivation is, is really pure, you'll, you'll be able to stand the test of time. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree. I think that that passion for your work, that engagement with it is what pulls you through difficult periods and it's what make the, makes the business ultimately successful because it adds this almost ineffable, unknowable element to it that uh, engages people on a level that they wouldn't be engaged if you weren't, you weren't yourselves so engaged with it. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's, it's about not being afraid to be real and uh and that's you know we all make mistakes and um we all have good days and we have bad days and 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 i think that's part of um being able to show that and and uh and then that gives way for others under this roof to have bad days or you know to make mistakes and not feel like they've just been that their that their job is it you know uh in danger. So, yeah, I think looking at the motivation of the drive, making sure that it's pure and then 
being able to to be real and, and recognize that you know we we're just human beings. <laughs> right. Yeah. And you're creating an environment where other people can have the impact that they want to have as well, which is an amazing gift to be yeah. giving people. So, you know, can I and I can I interject something that kind of came back to uh, an earlier question? Sure. The impact. One of the impacts I think that is most notable for me in a fairly short period of time has been our musicians' chair. And the Sonus chair, the testimonials and the reviews that we get because of the, the way that chair was designed specifically for them and that it's, you know, it's so elegant and has, you know, gotten honored in not the basement or the, the, uh, the garage studio, but the living room because of its appearance, but its ergonomics and the design for long hours of practice and play we have clients that are playing their guitar for five and six hours a day, pain-free for the first time in years. And I think that's a huge impact. And um, I'm sorry I didn't think of that earlier. Yeah, I mean, that's another example of how what you offer can be treated in the same way as what kind of impact is it having. It's not just about sellability it's not just about I mean obviously that's a, an aspect of it but how are you going to maximize comfort so that it it shifts the whole practice experience in the example you gave it's not simply about well yeah I'm more comfortable when I practice it's about well I can shift my whole experience of practice and that influences their performance ability and and takes it to that further step of impact yeah that's a great example I yeah, I think we were talking more about how we do what we do mm -hmm. and not so much about what we do. And I think there is a real strong impact in both of those. It's not just, you know, how we build our products or come to those designs, but also, you know, the designs themselves are are actually are are really having an impact. You know, people that have been sitting in Brian's dining chairs for 30 years now. And, uh, you know, there's not one loose joint. So it's, it's really about, about both aspects of it for us. Yeah, and I'm, I'm really glad you introduced that and brought that back into the conversation because it's the how certainly is incredibly important and it's an area that maybe doesn't get as much uh, focus or exposure. But the what aspect is also an integral part of, of creating offerings and products or services that you're, you're going to be putting out in the world that really um, engage people and, and have impact on their own. So, yeah, thank you for... Yeah, once it's out of our hands, you know. Yeah. yeah. You send it out into the world and it, it's doing its job there. <laughs> exactly, so. yeah. Well, that's awesome. I so appreciate your articulate and thoughtful responses. It's it's certainly consistent with what I know of you as people, and it's it's wonderful to talk with you more about your business and how you're going about doing that and, and what you're doing, in uh, both in terms of the products that you make and the environment that you're creating. 
in addition to this larger impact you're having in the world with your clients rippling beyond that and in the the Greenwood initiative that you're involved with as well. So I want to thank you both so much for taking the time to be here and joining us today. And uh, I, I think your integrated approach with your own values to impact your team and your clients and beyond, it just it demonstrates a really mature and evolved approach to business that I think is so powerful. So thank you both for, for being here. Um, thank you. It's been a pleasure talking with you and, and certainly interesting to have these thoughts pulled back out because uh, I've been uh, at the bench all day and uh, <laughs> just trying to get a chair made. points. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's valuable to step back and really look at, at some of the guiding forces in, in your business. So I'm, I'm glad we had an opportunity to do that. So I wanted to share with everyone how to connect with Melanie and Brian Boggs. And you can reach them by calling their uh, workshop at 828-398-9701 if you want a free guided tour of the shop and gallery or you can also connect with them through their website, which is brianboggschairmakers.com, B-R-I-A-N-B-O-G-G-S, chairmakers.com. So thank you to everyone for listening and for being here. And until next time, keep that positive flow of energy going in your business so you can have your own impact.